if there was anything that I could say about any of it is that we are one. That is what all of this is about. If I understood that if I see myself in another, then then I would act and behave extremely differently. Not just with another human, but even with animals, even with with everything that there is. When we understand the sacredness within everything and everyone, and that is what this is all about: is understanding that how incredibly powerful we are. Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado, and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters. Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. You're listening to Spirit Sisters. I'm your host, Karina Machado. It's a joy to have you back with me today for part two of my conversation with mystic, spiritual reader and counsellor Maria Lupita Gurule on the phone from New Mexico. If you haven't yet had a chance to listen to part one, please scroll down so that you can hear all about Maria Lupita's remarkable near-death experience that transformed her life in the year 2000. Today, Maria Lupita shares candidly about the after-effects of her NDE, including the first three very difficult years that followed it, her postnatal depression, her sense of disorientation and the burgeoning psychic gifts which pointed the way to a new beginning. She also reminds us that every single one of us is intuitive and shares simple practices to help us reconnect with ourselves. Maria Lupita also tells us all about her beautiful shared death experience with her mother and reveals the heartfelt story of her profound lifelong connection to Mexico's Our Lady of Guadalupe. Towards the end, we discuss the importance of integrating and loving our shadow and why self-love is a crucial aspect of the golden rule. Plus, there's so much more. I'm thrilled to present part two of my conversation with the wonderful and wise Maria Lupita Gurule, sharing more of what dying taught her about how to live. Hi, Maria Lupita. Welcome back to Spirit Sisters. How exciting to have you back on. Thank you so much for having me, Karina. I'm so glad to be back and so so honoured truly to have this opportunity. So thank you. This episode, we're going to hear all about the aftermath of your extraordinary near-death experience. We're going to hear about this ever-unfolding journey. One by one, you began to learn about your spiritual, your psychic, your medium, your psychic abilities, your mediumship, all of that while also going through a really profound journey of healing, forgiving, learning and growing. There's a lot to unpack here, but I wonder, Maria Lupita, what you can tell us about how your next steps unfolded following the NDE. Okay, thank you so much for this. The 
it's an opportunity to be able to share some of the most difficult things. There may be an assumption that uh, because we've had this profound experience that somehow it is easier uh, when we return, and that does not happen immediately. It's it's actually quite a process and very disorienting, and it actually has the opposite effect for a while. Because it happened on the day that my daughter was born, again, not because of her birth, but because of a surgery I needed to have, I, I just was, it was determined that I could no longer have uh, any more children, and so through that process, it was just one of the most difficult things and they thought that it was postpartum depression you know having the depression that some mothers feel after the birth of the children and with changes in life so not only did I have that but it was really the depression and the realization and even the resentment that I made my choice to return to life on the other side, it did not matter to me that I had just had a daughter. It did not matter to me that I had a son, that I wanted to remain there because it's home. It's the feeling that we have that everything is right. Every That's where we belong. That's, that is our source and where we come from. And so after, as I shared through the near-death experience and realizing that, yes, I do want to be here and I did not want to leave on the day that my daughter was born, so making the decision to return, it was probably about a good year, I would imagine, that I really, oh my gosh, I can't even say a year, it was probably the first three years that were probably the most difficult So not only was I dealing with the most extreme circumstance that caused and precipitated my near-death experience, it was a challenging time in my life. I didn't want to cope with it. So not only did I have the new child, the postpartum depression, the resentment upon my return, but also had to cope with life. And as you mentioned, learning all of those skills. And it was through that that I I did not know how to apply any of my learning, feeling very disoriented, not knowing where to turn or where how where to find the relief. I I sought out the assistance of um, you know assessment of four different doctors. They tried to prescribe me antidepressants. Of upon finally the fourth, thinking okay something must be really wrong and it must be just depression and maybe these antidepressants will help. Well, it made matters worse, and so. What happened is that I finally just needed to pay attention to when I felt better. And that's a process that I began just to help myself cope. So never did I have intentions of ever becoming what I am now, a psychic, a medium, a channeler, a spirit healer, and all of those amazing things. It began just with myself just trying to find some sense of peace within my own life upon my return. I felt that all of the things I was experiencing were a curse, and the curse kept getting worse. And what I mean by that is that I was so raw and so open. I felt so exposed. And that filter, that buffer that we have uh, where we know where we have a sense of separation from other people, other things, experiences. When we have a near-death experience, that layer is removed. So my filter and my buffer, my shield was removed. It is as if like the ozone, the protective ozone layer of the planet, you know, was removed and everything exposed and flowing right through me. 
I was picking up on other other emotions in addition to my own. When I would be around people, I would have these random sensations and thoughts not knowing what it was. Or I would begin to feel very overwhelmed around certain people and, again, not understanding that that was an ability, uh, a sensory ability. And so it was extremely disorienting. Then I began to experience a lot of synchronicities. I began to feel and sense this inner guidance that was actually kind of scary at first, that I didn't understand what it was. I would begin to feel this overwhelming presence that was even scary for me at first because I didn't understand what it was. And so only through my working with it, wanting myself to feel better, learning skills to create my own shield, if you will, uh, of not having to sense and feel others. Through this, you know, my daughter was three three months old when I returned back to work. So I only had a three-month maternity leave and immediately went right back into work. And so, again, while coping through all of this, what I began to realize is that I was picking up on things with acquaintances and it didn't feel strange to me because I knew these people, people I worked with and they weren't you know, extraordinarily close, but I worked with them. I knew them. We had shared enough that it wasn't unusual for me to share things with them. But when it began to, to be more personal or I began to share things of their loved ones or experiences or would spontaneously provide some kind of advice, they began to notice the shift within me. And it had to be pointed out to me. And I would begin to say, well, didn't you tell me that? Or haven't we talked about it? And they would say, I haven't told anybody. So then I really began to pay attention. And when it began with complete strangers, that is when I absolutely knew that this was, this was different. I was different. And the more that I acted upon it, the better I felt. And so I began to just pay attention to how I felt. I I didn't spend a lot of time in reading or learning. I, I read a few things, and I it was really about trying to understand my own experience. And the reason is this, is that the more I sought others to to help me with this, it was very confusing because my experience didn't look like theirs. If I was experiencing, um, you know, I didn't think that I would have, I was a medium or a psychic because I didn't associate with that. I didn't understand what the thing was that I was feeling. And so when I finally did try to find like-minded people, I also didn't have the greatest experience either. I, I assumed that people who did this kind of work or had these abilities, that these people were all spiritual and that they all align themselves with those right principles. Well, I found out early on that that is not always the case, and I was taken advantage of early on. And so I had to really find my own way. I had nobody before me to set a, set a pace, to show a path, to shed a light, and it was all by trial and error, and it was probably the most difficult thing. I think what finally helped me shift into understanding and really accept what I was and that finally saying, okay, I, I do have these abilities. 
was when I was, I remember very specifically, I'll never forget this particular incident, that as I mentioned, I went back to work and at work, I was an administrator for uh, senior citizens programs. And there was a very large retreat that was around the state. And we were grouped in this large conference. And there was, as there usually is, team building activities. And I was sitting at a table with a group of people. And I was with a gentleman that he and I got paired in this particular team building activity. Well, I began to pay attention to my body. And when these, these episodes, as I would call them, would come on, I would begin to feel um, physical sensations. My heart would pound. Uh, I would get ringing in my ear, burning on the edges of my ears, and these, this overwhelming feeling of my stomach turning. Well, I'm not a shy person. I don't feel uncomfortable around people. So when these things were happening, I didn't understand because it felt like stress. It felt like anxiety or, or like a fear of speaking, but that wasn't it. What I understood is that I was resisting the messages that were being pressed upon me. So when I was around people and random images would pop in my head or things that would feel like a memory was disorienting because I didn't know the source and then realized that it was for the other person. So I began to have courage and saying, you know, can I share this with you? So on this particular day with this gentleman, I started to sense and feel those sensations, and this was probably about three years after the near-death experience, and uh, I had been practicing with trying to just help myself feel better, and this particular day, I had the courage to ask, can I just share this with you? What I, sometimes this thing happens to me, can I share it? And he kind of giggled awkwardly and said, well, yeah, sure. I kind of strangely not knowing what was about to happen. And I began to just talk to him and stated, you know, the impressions that were in my mind. It was particular that I said, there's a shelf that is in a bedroom and the person walks by the shelf every day. And he looked at me so strangely and awkwardly and, and, and kind of um, anxiously and joked and said, well, is it your bedroom? And I said, well, it's not my bedroom, so it must be yours. And he said, yes, can you tell me more? And so I, I shockingly, I looked at him and I said, does that even make sense to you? And he said, it did. And so I continued and I happened to explain a picture that um, it described it to a T. Uh, it was a winter scene with a winter coat and a tree and he's smiling. And then I began to share more. It was more of a message that his loved one wanted him to know that he hears him and he sees him pass by the shelf every day. Well, it was the first time I had done this with a complete stranger. And there was a, a, a person that was a facilitator walking around and happened to pass by us. And everybody was talking and they were deep into their activities. And he's crying and I'm crying. And she's looking at us like, what in the world did I just step into and didn't even interfere, thank goodness. Needless to say, we didn't even do the activity. And at the very end of this 15-minute exchange, he told me that he had always wanted to see a psychic or a medium. Didn't believe in it at all. Thought we were, you know, people are just crooks and take advantage, but always wanted to know if he was okay. Well, I didn't know what to make of any of that experience. I didn't even realize the profound uh, extent of which I was sharing. And... After that experience, I remember sitting in my car for probably about an hour and just crying because I did not know how to process the entire experience. 
And that was the day that it shifted for me, that I no longer thought of it as a curse. But I finally understood that through this man who had waited for eight years to talk to his loved one, who wanted that peace and that closure, and when he cried and he told me the experience that he had, it was just beyond myself. And I, again, having I sat down and cried and realized, okay, God, if, if, if this feels better, and if I could give any kind of sense of peace through this curse, teach me. I'll use it. Oh, what so a, from there, I began to really work mm, with it. <laughs> oh, wow. Maria Lupita, that's a really significant turning point. And it's, I guess it's quite fascinating to hear you say that for three years you, you thought of these developing skills as a curse. And I gather you mean the developing skills and the after effects, not the experience itself. That is correct. It was the effect of it. It was the 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 openness, the rawness, the the unsettling, the feeling of not only my emotions but everybody else's in a sea of energy. It was so overwhelming to me that it would be as if Walking into, you know, uh, again, my, my greatest analogy would be like an electronics store or an outlet where every single TV, 50 TVs being on and all of the fluorescent lights blaring and TVs and radios playing and everything has a unique channel and everything is trying to vie for your attention when you're just trying to cope. And so that's what felt very overwhelming. That is the part that felt like a curse. Mm. And I couldn't reconcile it with my beliefs. I, I was born and raised Catholic. I was I had uh, my mom's sister was a nun. Uh, we were told and taught that psychics and mediums and tarot and all of that were were the devil's work. Uh, that we were to stay away from it and and because it was misleading. And I could not make sense of what was happening to me. And because I had such a profound, overwhelming, loving experience, I did not know why when I returned, everything that I was feeling felt so contrary. I felt like I will come back if I can feel this love and support. When I got back, I didn't feel it. It was was an elusive feeling that was like a memory that was distant and past, but I didn't know how to apply it. I didn't know how to connect to it. I didn't know how to feel it while in life, while also going through the most challenging of things. So I was angry, very angry. I can't imagine how you were feeling because in part what you're describing is a kind of extreme empathy where you're not only tuned in to the thoughts and emotions and and the inner lives of living people around you, but from what you're saying it seems as if their loved ones, so deceased folks, are also vying for your attention. So it makes me feel like putting my hands over my ears, like it's just too much. It's too much. It was too much. And I didn't. I, I still can't fully distinguish. It's, this is quite fascinating to me, is that everything is energy. And, and although I sense and feel and convey and pass, I am not all-knowing. You know, I, I don't know the greatest, bigger plan that is, I have an extraordinary story to share that just is, is absolutely mind-boggling that that just twists time, that all of time is all coexisting, both past, present, and future. 
And so there are times when I'm speaking to people of things that I am that I'm speaking of so clearly, and they'll say, "Well, I don't even know what you're talking about." I've had people say, like, looking at me like I have three heads of the things that I'm saying, only to find out that they have not yet come to pass. But yet, in the moment, as I am describing it, I don't know that it's a future event. I don't know it's something that has not passed. It is just something that is there and available, and I'm conveying to them. But yet, it it, it does not quite make sense. I've been so many times with people that I ha- that have come back after having had a conversation or a session with me years later, they'll say it makes more sense now than it did back then. And what you told me then had not yet occurred only for it to unfold this way. And so I, I trust implicitly what I am shown and given because it's not of me. It is not of my own understanding. And, and it is only mine to pass on the parts that I can. For example, I mean, who am I to take a person's experience away? That if, if I was to know every single fated decision, then, then I remove and, and I take away their freedom of choice of, of even experiencing that. So when I speak to people and they, they, they look at me like, what you are saying makes no sense to me, I can trust it and say, just hold it. I mean, when you walk away, it might unfold in that memory that they either haven't remembered or there are moments where it'll come to pass. And so I do not know, though. So for me, I can't distinguish the difference. I'm not all-knowing in that sense where, where what I convey, I don't know the intricacies of it. It's not my message. It's not for me. Now, all I can do is pass it on and, and, and see where it lands. <laughs> I know that's a complicated way to say that, but... Not at yeah, all. Not at all. It's, it's just profound... It is so profound. Did you say that you had a mind-bending story for us? Oh, gosh, <laughs> I do. I, I, I do. To, to kind of bring this to a head, six years ago, I, I had a, um, a session with a lady and her family, a young lady. And in the session, I was sensing and feeling the passing of what felt like her daughter. I can sense and feel animals, pets, just as strongly as I can feel loved ones. And I will not, I would not have experienced this of myself if I had not had my own beloved Luli. She was a little shih tzu. Uh, she was, she had a lot of health problems, but I, we loved her in our family for a short period of time. And she was our loved one. She was a pet. She was a family member. Well, six years ago with this woman, I had a session with what I thought was, felt like her daughter. Turns out it was her pet. Her, uh, she had a dog that passed, and she was asking about the dog. But the, the energy that was conveyed to me was that of child. And this woman treated her dogs like children. You know, dressed them, loved them, had their beds, you know, just, just like their children. Well, I was explaining to her and describing what I was being shown, and I was seeing uh, a lot of um, aspirations so breathing, choking, and a passing from this episode. Well, at the time, she looked at me and she said, no, no, that's not how my beloved, you know, the dog passed. I don't know what you're talking about. So I let it go, and I wasn't shown anything else. Well, not more than three months ago, uh, she reached out to me again and requested a session. And in this session, she she shared with me that after the session, she had another dog she received and and I guess adopted another dog 
and that I had described to her the exact way that beloved dog, her, who it seemed like her daughter, passed from. Six years ago, I explained how what I saw as the, as the passing, only to discover that was not the case. This dog had not yet even been born, but yet I was conveying to her an experience that she would have that would be so distraught. And, and I was forewarning her of this before she ever had the dog. So when she reached out to me again, not even three months ago, and she's sharing this with me, and she's beside herself telling me this, I did not even know what to make of it. And one of the things is that I do not remember what I tell people. I will only hold on to it for for a short period of time, and then it will dissipate. It's too much to retain. When I'm speaking with someone, I am purely in the moment, and oftentimes it, I don't fully remember everything that I'll say or how it will be said because oftentimes it's not of me, it's through me. And so I don't, I did not even remember this session that I had had with her, these specifics or these details. So this was from her experience, her sharing it with me, and then now me being able to express it. And I just reached out to her. I had a conversation with her literally just yesterday. (laughs) I reached out to her a week ago. And so she popped into my mind and I wanted to ask her for clarity of this story with the, the telling of the foretelling of how this animal passed. Well, that three month session that I had with her that three months ago, in that session I was conveying to her some message about her grandfather and that her grandfather was ill and expressing all those pieces. Well, the day that she popped into my mind, I reached out to her by text and said, I'm really thinking about you, and I want to ask for clarity on your story when you have a chance, would you reach out to me? Well, she and I had been missing each other through this week, and so I reached out to her finally yesterday, only to discover that her grandfather passed away on the day that I reached out to her. I did not know why I felt this pressing need and why she was in my mind. It, mm-hmm. It's a complicated story with many intermixing pieces that is just beside myself. So I'm, I, as I'm speaking to her and I'm seeing, you know, this is a pure example is that all of a sudden I get an image and saying, well, why do I see beans? I see beans and I see something else. And she says, well, I used to make him beans all the time and he loved my beans. <laughs> <laughs> and then I described a particular shirt and, you know, how he was dressed and the, that he, he was smiling because he had his own teeth. And she cried because, you know, he had dentures. And so it was just me. It wasn't even a session that it was just me feeling it in the moment, reaching out to her and then her sharing with me. And that will happen often is that never have I denied a message ever, ever. That is that is where I will say that that is the gift. I understand that it is a gift and I have a, I have a responsibility in it. So if I am in public or if I am in a place and a message does press and does come through, I will convey it in the moment. Never, ever will I ever say, oh, I have this message for you, but why don't you call me and give me a session? I don't think that that's appropriate. So if they're wanting the information, I'll convey it in the moment with their permission. That's the other piece that I've had to learn through all of this is is to not be so open. Because I was so raw and exposed and it, and it was painful in the beginning, 
I had to learn how to how to recreate that shield for myself. And so I can finally be in public spaces without that bombardment. But that has been a very hard-earned skill. Yes. It took a lot of time and energy and effort to achieve. Yes, and oh my goodness, years and years by the sounds of it. And years of very, you know, you going through a very hard time trying to navigate a world that reflects lovelessness back to us when you know that mm. truly only love is the ultimate reality, the one reality. Very hard. Mm. Yes, yes. Just trying to navigate ourselves a normal life, you know, without all of this other additional things. And, and I can honestly say that there was a period, even after my return, that I didn't want any of this. I that I that I, I didn't. It was too difficult. I didn't even know how I was going to get through it. But I can honestly say that now, finally, as I stated at the very end, that I am so thankful that I am here. And I and and, and teaching others is one of my passions. Is that every single one of us is intuitive that mine is amplified because of my experience, but every single one of us is intuitive. We have a language that is within ourselves that can guide us and show us. We, we all have access to this, and it is something that we are naturally born with, but then it is removed from us by course of our living. And so one of my greatest passions is to help people reconnect to this part of themselves, to have access to this, that... I am, I am, I, I might be single. One of us is unique, but I am not singular and I am not so um, special that I, mean, I am, but I'm not. <laughs> and it took me the longest time to constantly say, like, this isn't me, you know, it's not of me. And people would constantly say, but it is you, it is you, that I had to learn how to do it. So a part of, I guess, this is a beautiful way to say this, and, and I, I, I guess a way to share that I had one of these massive, profound experiences I, I get to observe and be a witness to. So that while I am in session, I get to witness these miracles that are happening and unfolding before me and through me, but aren't me. And this one particular day, it was this profound session that I walked away from, and it was this feeling of elation. And as I was driving home, I had this overwhelming, heightened feeling. And I thought, damn, I'm good. And that was the word that came out of my mouth verbally. Damn, I'm good. And the instant I said it, I heard in my head, what do you think you are so good at? And I had to stop in my tracks and say, what is it that I'm good at? So it took me a moment. And I, what I realized is that I'm really good at removing myself. I'm really good at, at making myself available and listening and passing it on. But that takes a lot of that that, that re that's a, in order for me to do my job, I have to be clear. And in order for me to be clear, that means I got to do my job and my work. And in order for me to do my job and my work, that means I need to keep myself and my mind healthy and unconfused, which means that I have to work every single day on keeping myself healthy emotionally, mentally, coping with the things that bother me. Having all of this does not exempt me from life. Mm. It doesn't exempt me from the trials. It, it it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't remove any of that it doesn't somehow put me in this category that now I'm no longer affected I am just need to learn how to work with it yes and that's what I want to teach others I love that because it gives all of us listening a very first of all a, 
compass towards hope. We're oriented towards hope. And also you give very practical yes. ways of, uh, of helping us reconnect back to ourselves. For instance, we were corresponding over email prior to this interview and you gave me a lovely tip which involved, you know, when we're feeling overwhelmed, when we're feeling like we're falling into the ditch of negative thinking, we could go outside in the sunshine and just put a hand on the heart. Can you share a little bit more about that and other ways that you have come to learn how to centre yourself and how to, how to live in this world that is full of trials? Mm, absolutely. I think that that is one of my greatest passions. And it's kind of interesting because the majority of my videos, even though I'm a psychic and a medium and I do all of this, the majority of my videos have to do with self-help. And, and the reason is this, as I mentioned, is that in order for me to be this, I have to keep myself clear. But I see the pain that every single person goes through, including myself. And I've had to relearn these lessons. And here's the thing, is that life is not linear, that it's cyclical, that we come back upon these experiences so that we will only know our growth if we re-experience the same set of circumstances and only to discover, did I respond the same or did I respond differently? And so my passion is teaching people how to feel better so that when we are feeling overwhelmed, if we can come back to the basics. And, and what I was speaking to you about was using the energy of the sun uh, to connect and reconnect with ourselves. And so oftentimes, and I do this every single day to anyhow, is to be in the sun, to make attempts to be out there with intention. So a person will say, well, standing out in the sun isn't going to do a damn thing. And it isn't. It's your intention and attention that is going to make the difference. And so when we're out in the sun, may we take a moment and actually with our focused attention and intention. So I like to place a hand over my heart and just feel the warmth of the sun and to state that we are one. Now, Karina, let me share how this came about, that I, I was a caregiver for my father. My father had uh, massive uh, health issues, and I was, I, a co, I, I, I was a co-caregiver with my mother for my father. And my, as most caregivers, we're, my mom was no exception. They give and give and give and give without any regard for themselves and to the detriment of themselves. And so she would disregard her own health and being a caregiver. Well, my mom, um, she died of a massive heart attack in 2017 on New Year's Day. And that was completely unexpected. We expected my, our father to pass, but not my mom. My mom was impervious. My mom was our anchor. She was solid and the strongest person I knew. Well, it devastated me and rocked me to my core. And after her passing... Um, I did, we were all in her home. She, it was a, pat, a, a massive heart attack. So before we all gathered and rushed to her home before she was removed from the home, uh, from the coroner and, um, the, the medical examiner. And I had an experience of, of, of witnessing the transition and the passing of her soul that while we were there in the room, I was with her. Now, I, I also have formal studies and initiations and trainings and shamanic studies. Uh, but besides all of that, it was there with her and my family was around her. We had all just finished saying a prayer. And my brother, my younger brother, was on the other side of me. 
and I was very quieted and, and still within my body. My eyes were closed. My hands were over her heart. But in my inner world, my I was fully assisting her in releasing her physical body from her, her spiritual body, from her physical body. We are tethered to our physical bodies uh, spiritually and energetically through our chakra systems. And so there's a technique of, of being able to help in this particular release energetically so that it's not a difficult process or such a difficult process. And so, again, my body is completely still, but I'm completely alert, alive, awake, and in this other realm uh, helping all of this. Well, I, I witnessed um, her, her, her energy that was holographic and her, her form rise above her body. And then suddenly it was like this light blue effervescence all, all above her and this holographic image of her physical being. And as I was doing this, it, it all seemed to coalesce and, and intertwine and, and, and came connected into this ball of blue light above her. And it began to swarm and intertwine with the in-between all like dance all through us as the family standing around her. And then all of a sudden, this ball of light hovered directly over her body, like where a light from the ceiling would be. And then all of a sudden, like a supernova, it exploded and it showered down all upon us. This was witnessed by a friend of mine who was also a medium. And she, I was inside self-experiencing this. But she verbally explained it to me because she also saw it. I don't know how to fully explain that, but it was an observable thing that she was she was with me at the time of this passing. Well, that came from a, a channeled poem from her. The line that I gave you, where it specifically says, she says, she always um, associated herself with Orion's belt and her three stars of Orion's belt. So in this poem that she channeled to me specifically said, so in the night and the stars, you know, look to our three stars and to know that, that, that she's there. And in the sun and in the day, hold your hand over your heart under the sun and know that we are one. So that came after my mom's experience, after her channel poem, and what I shared with you in our email came from that that experience. That is beautiful and it makes it all the more special. Thank you, Maria Lupita, for sharing not only uh, the practice but the story of its inception. So you mentioned that your your mum channeled a poem. Did it come through you? It did. So after her passing, I was distraught and I was, I was tasked with with writing her obituary and this has happened on a couple of occasions where it happened with a cousin of mine and just tuning in sensing and feeling and I'm sitting writing and I, it, it, it's automatic it, it's so it's so moving that I don't even know how the words fully come and I know that it is beside me it is beyond me and the poem that came, I call it a prayer poem from her, was fully channeled uh, because it was almost like a guide for life on how to handle things. She had very specific messages in there for each of my brothers and sisters, including myself. And I always refer back to it. It's just so profound. Yeah. What a wonderful gift. What a beautiful gift your mom gave you. 
in the aftermath of what must have been such a grief-stricken time for you because, as you said, the last thing you expected was your, your dear mum to go in the time that it was looked like it would be your dad. I imagine that it was heartbreaking for you, even though you know very well what's there and what's real and the love that is, but it doesn't, I guess it doesn't reduce in any way our grief at losing the physical loved one. It's so amazing that you say that because it doesn't remove the grief. And I found out that I, I was sharing with um, with a family member, uh, a kind of a, a secondary family member, a friend. Uh, uh, it's my friend's aunt, actually. And I was sharing the story with her to say, like, oh, my gosh, the love of a mother doesn't end, that the love still worries, that the, the love of a mother and my mother still worries. I was sharing a story that I suddenly felt this pressing need to get a hold of my brother. And this came through my mom. Uh, after her passing. So I reached out to my brother and shared something with him and because she was worried or concerned about what was happening. And so I reached out and sure enough, everything I shared, sure enough came out. I passed my mom's message to my brother and let it go. Well, I was sharing this experience just in conversation and saying, oh, it just, you know, the love of mom still continues. And she was so angry with me because she says, not all of us have access to that. She says, you have that but I cannot communicate with my son who passed. And it made it, and I realized in that moment of like, wow, this is uncommon that yes, I have this ability. And even though it doesn't take away my grief, that that this additional ability that I have is something that is rare and that I do need to hold it precious and do need to honor it, not take it for granted do you think that, I know that you you understand energy a lot and you, a lot of your studies are in energy and frequency. Do you believe it's a case of these messages just being constantly with us? They're constantly there, available, but only some of us that are attuned in a certain way, just like a radio station will only pick up the station, we'll only hear the station that we tune it to. Do you believe it's a matter of some of us being attuned to these frequencies and others simply not? And perhaps the near-death experience and other spiritually transformative experiences work like an ignition key in a way to to turn that Mm -hmm. skill on. I think it is both. I absolutely do feel for myself that it was an absolute ripping. I had experiences prior to my near-death experience but I was actively denying a lot of it also because, you know, to live in a spiritual way is not the way our society is. And so we, I, it's a skill that we have to learn. And here's, here's my hope and, and I know that in, in the way that I feel humanity is progressing. So that we have, we're born with these souls and the choices that, that we will honor, merge, fuse nurture, sustain, and carry. It is that part of us that is us, that is within us, that we disconnect from. The, the humanity is, feels separation from the moment we're born because we emerge from, from the field of all love. And so we instantly feel the separation because we're here. And then it's further exacerbated and made worse through life experiences. And so if you watch a child, they're so pure, so connected. It's when they have it the most, but act on it the least, and that we lose it over time. I've seen this you know, over the course, and hopefully we will retain it. 
And so we do have visibility. We do have access to it. It is not unique to just me. It's But most people disregard their inclinations. So one of the, my passions, again, is to help people learn that there, it is a language that they do not know. It is, it is being spoken to them, through them, for them, with them, every single day in the hopes they would connect to it, realize it, understand what it is, but it goes unnoticed and unseen, and then we disregard it. Oh, oh I must have imagined it. Oh, it, was, it must have been some other thing. You know, we, we, we talk ourselves out of these spiritual experiences. And it is subtle, Karina. Mm-hmm. It is the quietest voice. We expect the booming voice from God, which is the near-death experience. But these are the most subtle, the quietest, the whisperings that, that we need to pay attention to because that's where the guidance is. So it's a language we must learn and understand what it is. Most people have spontaneous intuitive experiences. They get gut feelings, hunches, and when they act on it, they think it's like a miraculous thing, which it is because they acted. But these things are available daily in every moment, not just in those extreme experiences. So it must, it requires that we learn. So those subtle things that you're talking about, just a simple act of going outside, putting your hand over your heart for five minutes. Those are the things that we have to develop because those are the things that give us the space to hear the messages, to allow it to come through. Thank you. Thank you. That's, yeah. that's beautiful. And uh, you mentioned that prior to your NDE in the year 2000 and, and the out-of-body experience that took place just before that, you had had experiences. You had had uh, spiritual moments, but you, and I guess pr- because of perhaps the upbringing, the Catholic uh, teaching that this was perhaps the devil's work, I don't know, you, you didn't pay attention to them. Is there any sort of sig- really quite significant um, spiritual experience that you had prior to all of this that you discarded or disregarded? Uh, there were probably a couple. I, I think the, the, the most would be is where, and, and there were the, the biggest lessons were the ones that we disregard. So only in retrospect did we find out, and, and that, was, that was a massive learning. Um, like one particular case, we get the gut hunch of, okay, you need to, and I can, I'm trying to remember exactly the situation, but it was I, I needed to be in contact with somebody to reach out to them to follow up. Well, I kept ignoring it, disregarding it, did not really paying attention to it. Well, I missed a massive opportunity and only to realize they lost my phone number. They were trying to get a hold of me uh, to, for an offering of this position. And I, I did not fully complete the application and left the number off. And my gut hunch was to reach out to them and didn't. Mm-hmm. I completely ignored it and said, well, they'll, they'll call me. They'll, they'll get a hold of me while well, it didn't happen. And then only after the fact to realize that, wow, I left the number. They had been desperately trying to get a hold of me. I was sensing and feeling it, but I disregarded it. And so those kinds of things happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I remember being in a vehicle accident because I didn't pay attention to a message. I was actively disregarding it because I didn't understand what it was and then thinking, well, this isn't normal, you know, and then and, and always talking myself out of it. 
And so now I, I always, I act on it. it. It's taken a practice, but I'll, my, the way that I recognize is to say, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I am. And it will always, inevitably, always come to fruition that, again, the gut hunch to get a hold of my client. I didn't know why. Well, it was her grandfather to give a message to let her know that he passed and he crossed and he's okay. I didn't know that. It was just the inclination. So I don't fully have, and this is what I'm saying, is that I did not know why I was wanting to get a hold of her, but I knew that I had to. And so those are the things that we have to pay attention to. We get those gut hunches all the time. All of us do. I'm not unique. That's not a special thing. Thank you for the reminder because I'm sure that pretty much everyone listening will definitely relate to a moment in their lives where they have ignored a gnawing sense of something that they had to do and they didn't do it and it was to their detriment. So wonderful reminder in the most practical way. Yeah. So... Well, and it's interesting that you say that because the first name that I was going to say was I wanted to call my business Practical Guidance (laughs) because for me, Uh. it's like even though this is so otherworldly, it's so important to me to make it practical. I want it practical, applicable, applicable for the masses. It's not – I'm like the most grounded – non-woo-woo person that is so woo-woo it's crazy you know (laughs) but it's like it's really about practical living how do we how do we live in a good way with these tools available to us oh absolutely that is something that goes around and around in my head too because we can do all of the reading and listen to all of the NDEs and listen to podcasts like mine and yet you'll wake up entirely immersed in this knowledge and you've got a smile on your face and then it will take something very small to set you off course again. And it's just, you know, that's why I'm so fascinated with you and your story and your teachings because it is that practical teaching that we need to grasp and remember in the moment. Exactly. And that's what I was shown in that image in my near-death experience, I did not know what it was in the time. So I speak of this massive field that had an infinite number of flowers that were all multiple colors and every single color unique and told that I, I was to have an impact on every single one of them. And I had no idea how, and that's overwhelming. And even even now as I say it, it, to me, it almost feels vain in a sense of like, oh, who am I to touch all of these thousands of souls? Well, I realize that because we're all one mm-hmm. and that my true my true passion and purpose is that, is, again, I never had intentions of ever becoming this. It was never like, oh, I'm going to be this big thing and be this medium and everything's good and fine and it's perfect because I know everything. Oh, my God, no. It is the exact opposite. And I, too have to earn my peace every day through my practice that in order for me to be this clear vessel I have to be clear and work on myself and again having this and being this does not make me exempt from life so we learn and apply these processes so that we can make life better and I want to be able to teach those things to other people and and to know that when we when I have one effect I I had somebody a client tell me finally you think that it is over when you talk to this one person, but you have no idea what happens beyond that. And I said, I don't. 
And she said that that one person will talk to three others and those three others will talk to three others and they might make one shift and one change. And then they'll begin a ripple effect that will, that spreads upon the planet. And I didn't understand that fully. And I get that now that, that when one of us, and this is, this is one, the prayer that I love is that when we heal ourselves, we heal the world. So I don't have to heal the world. I just have to heal myself. If I can heal myself, then I heal the world because through it, we uplift and, and everybody benefits from it. That's lovely. And the image that you saw in your NDA of the field of beautiful flowers is such a beautiful image because all of the unique flowers are arising from the same ground. Mm, beautiful. I hadn't, I hadn't made that connection before, but absolutely, yes. I wanted to ask you about um, your Goddess Spark logo because I, I know that there's a story behind it and it ties in with your... Well, you mentioned before the experience, the beautiful shared death experience with your mother and knowing that a mother's love never ends. So there's this beautiful guiding force of the mother and also within your NDE, you were cradled by Our Lady, which I thought was such a beautiful way to describe what you experienced there, this this love of the divine feminine. And so your logo, it represents something to do with your connection to the Virgin of Guadalupe. And I was wondering if you could just give us a brief overview of the Virgin of Guadalupe. I know a little bit of the story and it's astonishing. It has some uh, parallels with the Shroud of Turin, I think. Uh, but if you could share with us who she, who she is and uh, your connection with her and how you bring her into your life and make her a part of your life today. Oh, yes, thank you. Well, first, um, I'm named after her. So my, my name fully is Maria Guadalupe. And um, my mother's was also, uh, her middle name was uh, Guadalupe. And I didn't realize that. And my, my dad years later told me that I was my mother's junior. Well, the connection is we have a profound, a profound love of the Blessed Mother. And it truly is that, that devotion. And it's not to take the place. And this is the, the interesting thing is that it is not to be misunderstood that it takes the place of, of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Christ consciousness that so it no way takes away from nor diminishes nor supersedes or overrides those two are simultaneous and I've discovered that there's some misunderstanding with that so I want to clarify that first so Our Lady of Guadalupe it was a uh, she she appeared to uh, the gentleman's name was Juan Diego he has now been canonized uh, by the Catholic Church uh, becoming a saint and he was uh, in um, Mesoamerica. So in, in South America, this was at the time in the 1500s when the Spaniards were uh, invading um, Mexico and South America. And uh, the, the Mesoamericans in the, of, the, of the time were, were being oppressed. And there was a massive conversion that was underway for these native peoples. Uh, for for being converted to Catholicism, and so we can all know by history that there were massive atrocities that were happening in the name of religion, and these peoples were suppressed. So she appeared in uh, in a, in like a, a field, but it was I had lomas, uh, little hills. And she appeared in Mexico to this man who happened to be passing through and didn't want to be bothered by it. The gist of the story is that she appeared 
uh, over a course of several days in 1512, and this was in December, and was told, uh, he was told to uh, bring a message to the priest, uh, who was Catholic at the time, to bring peace to that time. And it, it was falling on deaf ears, and the priest was saying, well, who is this person? Why are you even, you know, coming here? So she uh, was instructed him to put uh, roses, Castilian roses, who didn't even grow in the area, was instructed to put them in his, what is called his atilma. Atilma is a very rough cloth made of agave leaves. It's a poor man's cloth, very weakly woven, very loosely woven, and very rough. Well, it was, they slept in it, they worked in it, they did, they carried things in it. It was a, as a work cloth. So he did as instructed, put all the flowers in his didma, and then he took them to the priest. And in that instant, uh, he was not to show them to anybody other than the priest. Well, as he dropped and shared the flowers, there was a, an apparition of her on his didma. It is, now, it is still uh, in existence. It is at the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in uh, the city of Mexico. It is actually there at their cathedral, the Basilica. It is on display. It is it is indestructible. It is at acid has been thrown and it. A bomb was set off and, and a fire went off in, in an old building and it had not been destructed. Um, there's an amazing um, documentary all about it. So she brought peace to the peoples in the message and in the language that they understood. The apparition that was made had very specific imagery that the native peoples were aware of, and she brought peace to the people. And so she has had many apparitions upon the planet, like Our Lady of Fatima, uh, also at Our Lady of Lourdes, and other places all around the planet. But this happened to be this particular apparition in Mexico. So when I was three years old, my father was on internship, and we were there in Mexico. I got to see it myself uh, firsthand, and that was one of my first memories. Um, so that is my connection with her. I'm named after her, and that was who I experienced with my near-death experience, not only the Christ consciousness, but also with her. So the logo is very specific because I have this deep connection with Our Lady of Guadalupe. I'll share briefly that we, in my family, there's a there's a story in the history. My father had one of his mentors was a gentleman. His name was Ed O'Brien, and he was a master muralist who also had an experience at the Basilica with Our Lady of Guadalupe. And as fate would have it, my father would meet him as he was painting the mural of her here in New Mexico, in a place called Sombrio, New Mexico. It was at an ashram called the Ashram of Guru Ramdas in the Hacienda Guru Ramdas in, in Sombrio, New Mexico. And so my father met him. There is so much history with that painting, and, and she's my symbol. You know, that is the experience that I had. I'm named after her. She she held, you know, my daughter and all of these pieces that we talked about in the near-death experience. So just last year, I was embarking on my my father passed away in in February of 2020, and after that, everything shifted and changed. So I launched my website. I launched the service again. This is like the third time, and so it was a process of finding a symbol for myself. Well, of, I I knew that it was to be a star, and and I was struggling it with it of my own creation because I created it myself. I I actually did not hire anyone. It evolved on its own and it was guided. 
so I was struggling with it on my own, of my own self, and so I prayed on it. I prayed, and my prayer was, how do we merge? Get this, Karina. How mm. do we merge with our soul? That was my question. My question is, we have this grand soul that is like a star that I was told is our God spark. And our God spark exists within, within us like a flame inside of our heart. And so my question at the moment of this was how and what does that look like? And so the creation of that God spark logo evolved on its own. It was it was just intuitively guided and in how it evolved and came to be and it's multi-layered. And so the gold around the star represents the light of Our Lady. And the the blue uh, that is that is a, a there's a layer that is light like a white that goes from a wh- white whitish blue down to a dark blue, and that's me. That was the acceptance of both my light and my shadow. I want to talk about that in a moment. Mm. Acceptance of our light and our shadow. Please do. And then the other layer of the, of it is is the multicolors of the different vibrations of who we are. And those colors were pulled directly and sampled from the picture of the painting that Ed O'Brien painted. Ed O'Brien painted it in this mural exists. I took a picture of it. I took a picture that represents so much of it, and I sampled the colors of my logo from her image. And it was just so moving. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a process that it was not just a logo, it was a discovery of myself. And in through it actually it is it is the symbol. It's it is it is me in a symbol. Which is strange because I was thinking of Prince, you know, the the artist formerly known as Prince that has this strange symbol, right? <laughs> if if that was that that would be me. <laughs> if I didn't have a name, I would be the, I would be that star. And the amazing thing is, is that as it was created, it self-created this, this, what looks like a halo in the middle of it. It is is circular. And that was not ever intentional or planned. Well, none of it was planned. It just, it emerged that as I was guided to do all of this, emerged this sphere in this circle, which I fully understood is, it represents the wholeness. Oh, goodness. Not your average logo, and I'll be sharing it with, uh, with the listeners on my social media with your permission, Maria Lupita. And, um, oh, yeah. please do. So I think what your story just then about the origins of that gorgeous logo, it really is a testament to you and the, the trust that, you're, that you've learned, hard-learned lessons, as you said, but you've learned to trust the guidance, trust the intuition, to let it emerge and to get yourself out of the way. But you mentioned also in there how it encompasses your acceptance of light and shadow. Please do share more about that. Okay. I would say that after, it's probably been just upon this past year, Karina, that I can honestly say that, like, if I, if, and I know that it is a cycle, I know that it will continue, and I know that I will arrive at the same place again. But for now, I feel better than I ever have in my entire existence. I feel finally at peace and I do feel whole. And I can honestly say that I feel this way because I am no longer fighting my darkness. For the majority of our experience, we think that our spiritual work is to go to the light and to release all of our darkness and to and, and only hold light. 
But when we do that, what I've understood and what was shown to me is that I create a wake upon myself that is a tsunami that will only crash upon myself of all the parts that I resist and deny. So yes, I've gone through my healing and yes, I've gone through my forgiveness, but I was also in denial of a great part of those things in thinking that my life in order to be so good must be good all the time and that my feelings must be good all the time. And so if I'm experiencing anything that is less than good, somehow I'm failing. Well, that's false. We are humans meant to feel the full spectrum of emotions and everything that that encompasses, including all of the difficult emotions, all of the difficult experiences. And pardon me and forgive me for my crassness, but the shit in life, that we all experience it. Again, I am not exempt from it. Having this and being this and having the NDE does not take me away from it. But instead, it helps me and has taught me tools that I can learn and work and use with for living. So I've learned about living through my dying. And what has happened is that I don't resist my darkness. I accept right now that I am fully both light and dark, but I choose to act on one, although the other exists. We cannot become whole if we are denying any part of ourself. So if I deny that I'm having difficult feelings or if I have a particular opinion about something or have a preference for something, then somehow I'm bad or wrong. And that is not correct. And so, yes, I have done horrible things because we're human. I've experienced horrible things because we're human. But that is part of my experience. And I'm not trying to reject it or deny it, I'm not even no longer even actively trying to suppress it, that I finally came upon, and this was this happened shortly after my father passed, is that everything finally came and settled. I don't, I don't fully quite know how to do that, but, or, or to express it or say it, but it really was that understanding. We are both. So may our shadow work not be in the obliteration of our shadow, but in the loving of our shadow. There was a moment where I said, yes, I have all of that, but I love myself in spite of it all. And when we do that, oh my gosh, that's where we give ourselves true freedom. What a powerful message because there is such a lack of of self-love. It's almost one of the last taboos, really, such a difficult thing to come to terms with. And we hear time and again, especially in the near-death experience, it's often a real communicator of this message that, yes, we must love, but it begins with ourselves. And I think what you're sharing is is a way is a way there, because when I hear you talk about accepting the light and the darkness within ourselves, I hear a real message of self-love and self-forgiveness there. And it's just, I have this sense that the world in this time is so sorely in need of that message. Exactly. And that is what's coming to a head, is that we cannot become whole if we are fighting and resisting any part of ourselves. At the moment that we accept all parts of ourselves, then we can fully become whole. And I don't need to change anybody else's opinion. I don't need to change anybody else's way of being. If every single person would only take their own responsibility 100% for themselves and themselves only, this world would be a different place. But instead, we try to create these changes through the control or the attempts of control over others in trying to tell them what they think, what they should feel, how they should be, 
without ever, who are we? That's the other thing that I've learned is that who are we to take other souls' lessons away? That they are here to learn for the growth of themselves and that every single soul is entitled to their own experience, even when that experience is contrary to what everybody else would believe, even when that experience is hard and difficult because it is those hardships and difficulties that they came for. We want as humans to feel nothing but ease and goodness, but as a soul, we came here for the divine experience of moral, mortal activation, that we, that we act on our morals while living. That's what a soul wants. It wants the deliciousness of learning those hard things. And we go through it because then we overcome. And there's the elation of, of the success in our growth. That's why we're here. It is the most delicious work if we're ever willing. But it's, it's also the most difficult because whenever we experience any sort of pain, we immediately try to stop it rather than allowing it because we think it'll last forever. But if we just allow it, it won't last. It, that's, when, that's when it's finally released. But in order to heal it, we have to feel it. And then we can let it go. Very powerful teachings. Thank you. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Maria Lupita, that there's a real urgency that you are feeling at the moment in terms of timing about sharing your message. And it's been a couple of decades since your near-death experience, but the moment is now. Am I correct? And you're writing a book? You're absolutely correct. I feel this intense urgency that there have been times where I've been so frustrated because I don't know fully how to quite get it all out. So, Karina, I thank you with my whole heart for this amazing opportunity, for having having met you, even, I, even if not in person, for the ability that we have for the reach because the world needs it right now. And so I am finally making time for writing. Writing is one of my passions. I, have, I, I am a storyteller by, by nature because we all have a story and, and be, we can share in that way. And so I've only shared, I've only scratched the itty bitty, teeny tiny microscopic tip of the iceberg, so to speak. I've had some profound experiences and in a multitude of ways in trying to discover all of this extraordinary things. And so I want to be able to share it all. And in the hopes of that is, it, it, I mean, it, it, would, it reads like an adventure. You know, I, I don't know if anyone, um, if you have read The Celestine Prophecy, which is like a really cool spiritual adventure. It was yes. one of the first I had read. It was very yeah. popular so in the 90s. Story, <laughs> yes. You know, for the adventure and, and, and like they, they acted out as like an, an action movie. And then only after these, you know, 20, it's now been 21 years since that near-death experience. And in retrospect, in all of the things that I've experienced, I've, I've discovered that, wow, my, my life is, is, is like a, an action adventure because of all of these strange things that I've experienced and how they've, they've come into my life. I'm hoping with that um, I'll have a, a, a manuscript fully ready within the next 10 months, and I'm hoping that, that it'll gain some headway with at least within the year. Um, and th that's something that I know you have under your belt and something that I am 
so new with. So I'm just barely beginning my journey with all of that it entails. And so I might be off the mark of what's, what is expected, but uh, that is my hope. And I have this vision that if I just continually, continually write, that eventually, you know, the pieces will come into place and that the guidance will come and the pieces will fit. Mm. Well, I don't think you're off the mark at all. Hearing you speak and hearing you share your stories, I can only imagine what is going to be in the pages of that book and it's going to be even juicier, even more delicious to use your word. So keep going and I'm very excited to read that when it's ready. And anything that I can do to assist you there, I'm I'm here for you, Maria Lupita. I will take you off on that, Karina. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. So as we approach the end of our conversation today, I wonder, how do you see the next few years unfolding for you, the work you're doing? And no small question here, Maria Lupita, but as well as for humanity and the the very evolution of consciousness. Mm, I will begin there. That as more of us are, are embarking on this journey and take up the torch of, of discovering ourselves, that this world is going to look to be very different. Um, I, I, I know this is kind of coming to a close, and but I will say this, is that there is something extraordinary happening upon the planet at this time, that we are in the throes of a spiritual evolution because that is what the process of the earth is going through. Two years ago, I was shown that the earth had divided in what looked like a process of cell division. And what I've discovered is that it was an energetic, etheric a body uh, versus a 3D body, that this planet is very three-dimensional, tangible, but there is also a spirit, you know, that, that is that is also, every, everything is alive, and there's no greater life force than, than planets that carry life, because they carry a multitude of life. So the planet herself is undergoing a massive healing and a shift, and we are part of that. And there are powers upon the Earth that we've all felt, and everybody can explain it in, in, in different ways, but light and dark, good and bad, you know, evil and all these other things. But it really, truly is a division of where every single one of us is deciding where we land. That for years, people may have heard about, you know, moving from the 3D into the fourth dimension or now the fifth dimension. And what does any of that even mean? So without getting too metaphysical and esoteric and all those other things, the bottom line is that we all have a choice to make. It's where we, how we want to live and how we want to feel in it. That we have an opportunity that is unprecedented. That all of the souls that are incarnate on this planet at this time have chosen this to create this shift. There's so much ugliness and horror and atrocities that are upon the earth, but there is also so much beauty. And so the more of us that choose to see beauty, act on the beauty, and, and it's not about denial of the pain, but it's a shift in how we perceive and how we act. And so what is happening at this time is all of us making those decisions. And so that's why I spend so much of my time and effort in wanting to teach people just how to feel better. That is, if I, if I had, that is my personal mission statement, that in all that I do, may I help others feel better, because that includes myself. 
And so that is the direction that I'm going so that I can help in that way. Is that if anybody who's willing to listen to me, I will share, you know, that how do we shift out of this? I will teach. And it doesn't happen overnight. And so people will get angry with me because they want the shift within an hour's session. But it's it's a process over time. I will share everything that I can. So I, I, I have intentions of writing not only my memoir, but also uh, how-to books. So one of them is learning the language of your intuition. There's several of them that are in there, but that's one of the primary ones. And so I will continue with my videos. I will continue with writing my memoir as well as other how-to and self-help books. I have my sessions and I've I've had the amazing opportunity of, of having sessions with people all over the world. I just recently, uh, share, I'll share with you, I recently purchased a beautiful map that I had engraved and it says, Faith, Love, Wisdom, Soul Sessions Around the World, and then my name. And so I'm putting pins on the map of, of, of souls that I've had the, the beauty and honor and privilege of working with. To me, this is a responsibility. It is, it is an honor that, that I hold, but a responsibility I do not take lightly. I have a responsibility for everything that I do and say, because I know that I, like all of us, will have to answer for it when I pass. So may I hold myself in a way that is good so that I can feel the beauty when I pass, because I don't want to feel the pain of it. So may I do my part. And that's what I was shown is that I'm finally all of the things that I was shown in my near-death experience are finally coming to fruition. Being able to, to have interactions with the sea of souls that was in that field. And that's where we're going. That's where we're headed. It's hopefully in that place of where we can hold that vision of that all of us are a field of flowers and that we can actually grow. That's very, very beautiful. Thank you. And it, there is a sense that the sharing of the, the near-death experience is a big part of this moment, this this planetary and individual moment of integrating the darkness and the light. What do you think about that, Maria Lupita, about the role that this kind of explosion of the near-death experience in these last few years is playing in this um, cosmic evolution of consciousness? I agree. I, I feel that even for myself, because I will be very honest that I did not Although this has defined my entire experience, I didn't put much, I don't want to say stock into it, but I didn't put emphasis on it. I did not speak out about it, uh, but I feel the need for it now. And what I know is that that filter that I spoke of that was removed through my near-death experience, that is being uplifted and removed on humanity as a whole. And so that is why we are vibrating to a different frequency at this moment where we are all trying to seek and find that same essence and energy out of those near-death experiences. And one thing that I will say for those, this is, and I, I myself don't watch other NDE videos, not because I'm not interested when I don't have time, but um, it's, it, it goes back to that, that experience of where I experience it first, the validation comes after. And what I find the beauty in that is that it's so validating to me that some of the things that I have said, I'm not comparing my story to anybody else's, but others who do follow will say, well, yes, it's consistent, but thank God, because it is, right? But it's also unique. Mm. 
here's the thing I do want to say is that what I am finding in people searching for NDEs, I have, I've shared a lot, but there's still a lot more that I have not shared. And what I discovered is that when I go into those much, much deeper controversial topics from an NDE, people are are not quite there yet. We're Mm -hmm. getting there, but we're not there yet. And so people are wanting the information, but then there's also a whole other population that, that are still really holding tight to the old paradigm. So they want new information and want to shift, but yet question it because it's contrary to what they know. That I find very interesting. So there are some that are attuned to it, ready for the message. So this, the the offering that I can give is that my understanding of my near-death experience was not instantaneous. So for those people who are listening and watching near-death experiences, may, their under, may they also understand that their level of understanding will also come in layers. So they may hear things within near-death experiences that resonate, that hold true, that provoke insight that evoke questioning and then there are other things where somebody will say what the hell is she talking about and who is this person and what the heck that also has happened so may people receive the level of the information that they are ready and that it will increase as their understanding and their spiritual awareness increases it too will be given in layers so be patient that it will come with time and so Get what resonates, hold on to it, learn it, apply it, let go of what doesn't yet make sense, and then come back to it. Because there were things that I attempted back then that did not make sense to me, that I had to hold off until I had the right amount of understanding for even it to come back into my experience or to have the understanding. So I offer that up with my sincerest hope that it can teach people and that they can be patient with themselves and the, and just start where you're at and just know it'll grow. Very wise reminder. So while we are back on the topic of your near-death experience and while we're summing up, I wonder what is it today that most resonates in your heart about what you experienced? And that might be a tough question or maybe not. Maybe there's something that immediately comes to mind. Immediately is that we are one. If if there was anything that I could say about any of it is that we are one. That is what all of this is about. If I understood that if I see myself in another, then, then I would act and behave extremely differently. Not just with another human, but even with animals, even with, with everything that there is when we understand the sacredness within everything and everyone. And that is what this is all about, is understanding that how incredibly powerful we are. And if we understood what we are and the power that we have available to us and with us and from us, within us and where we come from, that is our whole purpose. And so we are not separate. We are all one. And it sounds so simple. But it is so profound at the same time. So finally being able to come to that point, to be in body, to have this physical life, knowing that. So you behave differently, that you become the God spark. You become 
God incarnate. It's very different. It, it is a very different space, and it is, it is the most humbling, awe-inspiring place to be. And that is where what we're here to, to understand. It's something like the golden rule has become almost cliché these days, but that's essentially it, isn't it? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's because you, in a way, you are them and they are you. Well, and here's the amazing thing is that I had to start with, may I treat myself the way I treat others? Because we treat strangers better and kinder than ourselves and even some of our own family members. We take for granted that our loved ones are with us and that they will cope and deal with us. But may we treat ourselves as we would a stranger with kindness and openness and, 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 and learning that. So may we also have that for ourselves. And yes, the golden rule. So that may, that every single thing that I do, I must answer for. So what am I doing right now? Am I, am I in a place of union? Am I in a place of compassion? Am I in a place of love? Am I, or am I in the opposite? And may that guide us. Thank you. Maria Lupita, please tell us about where the audience can learn more about you and your incredible work and how people can get in touch with you. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, I have I have a YouTube channel with uh, some videos, and I finally have some proper equipment to do some, some good videos. I have lots of stuff there. It's a YouTube channel, and that's under my name, um, Maria Lupita Gurule. I also have a, a website with information uh, through there, and if people do, I don't know if they're interested, but again, out of these beautiful conversations, I met some beautiful people around the world, and so there's the website as well. I have a Facebook page also under my name. Uh, so psychic medium, Maria Lupita Gurule. I will post links to all of that in the show notes so it's easy for the audience to click immediately onto that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of your contact details there. So finally, we're at the end of this conversation. What closing message would you like to leave us with today? Oh, thank you. I think the most important thing is to know that you are loved beyond measure, deeply, deeply loved, and that if we could just allow ourselves a moment to feel that, it can begin to create enough space to create a shift, and that may we finally find that place within ourselves that feels good, knowing that that love is there. You're deeply loved. Thank you very much, Maria Lupita Gurule, for coming on Spirit Sisters today. We wish you every, every success with your book and looking forward to a third conversation when that book is published. Thank you again. Mm. Thank you so much, Karina. Many blessings to you and incredible work that you do uh, allowing these opportunities. So thank you for your great work upon the world. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters, the podcast, based on my best-selling book of the same name. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels. In the meantime, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. I also welcome your feedback, so please message me through my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. Perhaps you have your own encounter to share. If so, I'd love to hear it. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story. Thank you.